Welcome to another episode of the Gay Bar Archive show, where we explore a gay history one bar at a time. I'm your host, Art Smith, and today we'll be joined by Charles Horton, who is the owner of Fort Lauderdale's Lit and La Boy. So welcome to the show, Charles. Well, thank you very much. It's glad to be here. I've been looking forward to this. As have I. You know, you kind of popped onto my radar, I, I guess, about a year ago, and I've uh, been watching your progress in Fort Lauderdale. But from what I understand, the early years of you going out to the gay clubs and being familiar with the gay community all started in one of my favorite towns, which is Dallas, Texas. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, you'd asked about my my, my first memorable bar experience. So I met a uh, older guy, as younger guys do, I guess, that became my best friend. He kind of showed me around the uh, Dallas area, became my dinner buddy, etc. But the first bar he took me to was uh, Throckmorton Mining Company, or TMC at the time, and different location and really a different bar now. But when you would go into the, uh, the memorable thing for me was that when you would go into the bathroom, there were uh, big troughs and uh, people would be in them uh, wanting to get peed on. So uh, as, a, as an 18 year old new to the gay scene, that was very uncomfortable and I learned to hold my bladder a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so other than that experience in the restroom, what was TMC like? What was your impression uh, of it when you first walked in there? You know, cr very crowded uh, bar, at least when uh, we went, a lot of people with their shirts off and it was uh, definitely a more, you know, bear type environments, a lot, uh, a lot of larger guys, hairy, but uh, good, good music. I enjoyed the, uh, the music. I've always been into twink, so <laughs> wasn't my type of guy. Even when you were 18, huh? Well, I liked my own age then, and my, uh, my first lover was, uh, uh, you know, same age. Second lover was basically same age. And then uh, third lover that I was with 17 years was four years uh, younger than me. We met when I was probably 30 and he was, uh, he was 26, but uh, now I've kept to the, the uh, younger age and I've been dating a 21 year old for, for uh, three, three months now. Yeah. And I had the pleasure of meeting him when I was in Fort Lauderdale last time and he seems to be a great guy. So, you know, he is and his maturity is a lot more than most 21 year olds and that's really uh, making it uh, work well. Yeah, it's been kind of the same way for me. My first boyfriend when I was in high school uh, was about six years younger than me. Okay. Not a big difference at that time. But then as I moved forward, the next serious boyfriend was about four years younger than me. Okay. And um, the next one after that, I think, was... Um, about 11 years younger than me. So it, the, it, the spread kept getting bigger. And the, the last serious relationship I had, the guy was, I was actually three days older than his mother. So <laughs> um, I can understand exactly where you're coming from. Now you were mentioning TMC in, um, in Dallas and the setup in Dallas um, reminds me a lot of Fort Lauderdale or uh, Wilton Manors, I guess. But Actually, it's the other way around. The Wilton Manors area reminds me a lot of the way the Dallas bars and community were set up. You have one area there where um, 
TMC was a little bit off the beaten path, about a block and a half, I think, away from the rest of the bars. But you could easily take a shuttle bus, which they used to offer. Um, I think Cavan used to do that because they owned almost all the bars there at the time. But right. there used to be a shuttle bus that would take you from TMC back around to JR's and Village Station and, and all those bars. So you could easily go from one to the other without any difficulty. And, um, and that was quite an exciting area to be in, you know, in that neighborhood and be able to experience all kinds of, of gay life. Was that kind of shocking to you at 18, 19 years old to go there in Cedar Springs and, and suddenly be surrounded by um, a gay community? You know, it, it was, and for most of my life, I was busy with businesses, growing businesses. I hardly ever went out for the first 10 years of my life in my 20s. Uh, I didn't have really friends that didn't work for me. So I was busy running a company and making my dreams come true. So I, I kind of laugh now that, you know, here I am 54 years old. A year ago, I moved here to be with a friend of mine who is a you know, a stripper, and uh, he would stay with me when he was in Dallas, and he would kind of do the circuit around the country and dance a few months here and dance a few months there. So I came him, I came here to uh, to be around him, and then I'm hanging out with all 20, 21-year-olds, <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of laughing that uh, I lived my, uh, my 50s when I was in my 20s, and now that I'm in my 50s, I'm living my 20s. Well, good for you. And it's all in the way you feel. I mean, I've met you. I know how you are. And you definitely have that kind of youthful joie de vivre, you know, that energy that you really enjoy being in the club scene and, and socializing with people and, and being around, you know, people that have good energy. So it's a good business for you to be in, I think. It is. And I, I, that's what I enjoy about the club business is learning about my customers, getting to know my dancers. And I'm just social. Uh, I'm social in the club. I've made so many friends that I that I go out with and have uh, dinners with, and then I have pool parties. And uh, it, it's been a very different life for me. You know, I went, when I lived in Dallas, again, I was working so much. I never went out to gay bars. I actually went out to the bars in New Orleans once or twice a year. And that was more than I went out in the clubs in Dallas, just because I love New Orleans so much. And I loved getting a hotel room and uh, being able to not drive when I'm, uh, when I'm drunk, but now when I go to Dallas, I stay at the Melrose and, you know, same situation. I can go out and have fun. If I had too much to drink, I'm not worried about driving. Yeah. And, um, you know, you mentioned strippers there, but I know for a fact that one of the bars that you own in, um, in Wilton Manors is very much not a stripper bar. It's right there on the strip. It's on, on, um, on the drive. And it's surrounded by many other bars. I think um, one of one of the members of my gay archives group put a post up the other day that within two miles, a two mile radius of Georgie's Alibi, there are 24 or 25 gay establishments that serve alcoholic beverages, yep. which is an anomaly, especially in this day and age. I mean... There are not many places in the country you can go and be surrounded by that many options to go out as a gay man or woman and have a cocktail and hang out with friends and be in a safe environment. And, I, and that I wonder bar, what that count is in Dallas now that you mention it. That bar um, on the drive is called Lit, L-I-T. Was that the name of the bar when you bought it? 
It was. So my, my concept in buying bars is, uh, for the most part, not to change anything, not to change the staff, not to change the concept, fix what's uh, broken, if anything's broken, and keep what's working in place. So, you know, Lit doesn't want uh, strippers there. It's a very different vibe. People come there to hang out, to play darts, to uh, play poker, to, uh, to uh, watch uh, bitch bingo, you know, so we have a lot of different types of uh, of entertainments in place, but then outside you have a cornhole, you have lots of games, we sponsor sports teams. Uh, so it's a very different vibe and there's just not a lot of uh, desire to have, you know, strip bars or twinks integrated. For some of the larger events, we would have uh, like a porn star uh, walking around in their skivvies, passing out drinks and they made good money and did did good enough, but I hear over and over from the customers, please don't turn this into another strip bar. Right. And I've, I've been to lit. It's a really cool little bar. Um, it kind of reminds me, I don't I don't know why, because it's not Wilton Manors for those people who have not been there and have only, you know, associated with Fort Lauderdale. Wilton Manors is not on the beach. Wilton Manors is just slightly removed, but um, it has that feeling of a beach bar. The one side there, when you go in, this big open room with, you know, a huge entrance into the bar. I mean, the big wide opening, you just walk right in. It's almost like being outside in a cabana or something. Uh, very open, very bright, very colorful, uh, a, a very mixed group of clientele. It's not like everybody looks like a, an 18-year-old blonde or, you know, a 42-year-old bear there is a mixture of all kinds of people that go to that bar. And there is, and the other thing that I really like about it, and this comes from the customers, is the customers like to mix it up and mix, mix groups up. So if you have you know, this one click here and this one click there, many of my customers are trying to introduce and get you to know other people, and it's really a social environment. Uh, uh, you hardly ever see anybody sitting around alone. There, uh, people come up and and uh, and meet them and greet them. There's one of my favorite customers is a 74 year old uh, uh, lesbian, and she's fantastic. Whenever I come in, she comes and sits with me, and uh, she just loves the environment at Lit. Yeah, and it's, it is cool to have all those different types of. Um kind of sports and games options there you know i've seen people playing jenga or whatever out there and doing different kinds of interactive activities instead of just sitting there um you know drinking at the table and talking to each other they're actually doing stuff and and being entertained by themselves and by the people around them so it's a really cool place if you haven't been in the last say two months uh, one of our uh, bartenders is a painter and did movies and TV shows and does body painting well, but he's painted the in, the uh, both the, the uh, patio area and the inside of the bar area, and he did a fantastic job. And it's a it's a completely different feel in there now. Yeah, I think I've seen those pictures in your um, on your Facebook page. Yeah, and um, I'm going to post some of them up here in the video. So that people who are watching this and, and listening to it, they can see the pictures of what we're talking about and what the bar looks like. And, you know, it's a really cool building. I, I, it's, and it's so comfortable. It's like a little neighborhood bar. The first time I walked in there, I had never even heard of it or noticed it until after you purchased it. But um, I don't get to Fort Lauderdale more than a couple times a year. 
But when I did did hear about it and go in there, it just feels very comfortable. You don't you don't feel out of place. You don't feel like you don't belong or you know everybody is turning their back to you and you're sitting there in a corner by yourself. It's a very friendly um, friendly kind of place. It uh, it definitely is. That's what uh, that's what I like most about it. You know, uh, art. What I've found in doing acquisitions is what makes a business successful is the people that are working in the business. And so when you do an acquisition, you'll want to keep the people and uh, the, the people at uh, Lit are very uh, popular. Everybody loves them. Everybody has their favorite bartender, but uh, there, and there's somebody for everybody there. It's a, it's a great staff. Now, I know you also do special events there. Um, uh... I noticed not too long ago was it July 4th or you had Bruce Valanche there. Correct. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Bruce is always, how can you not have fun with Bruce? (laughs) I I had the uh, pleasure of uh, taking him out to dinner maybe four times while he was uh, in town and man, his background is fascinating and he's uh, so witty. You know, you're, you're laughing the entire time. It was, it was well worth it. I understand. I've interviewed him actually for this project. He was an early um, victim of my interviews. So there is a segment, there is a segment in this Gabe Archive series of me interviewing uh, Bruce Valange. And if you get a chance to watch it, one of the things that's interesting about it is I incorporated, I think, 10 fun facts about Bruce Valange into that segment. Okay. So, uh, for instance, he, he holds held, I don't know if he still holds it a uh, Guinness World Book record for walking sideways at one point in time. Um, <laughs> I did he not walked, know that. He walked like a mile and a half sideways in Chicago, um, I think from the Tribune building to the water tower or something like that. But it was recorded by the local paper, you know, helicopters and, and people on the street. And he was in the Guinness Book of World Records. So Wow. Um, but yeah, he's a great guy. Um, I've seen him at your other club too, at, at, uh, LaBoy. And he loves um, coming to LaBoy when he's in town. He does. So, so lit is kind of a staple that is frequented by the people in the neighborhood, by the local Fort Lauderdale and Wilton Manors crowd, all ages, people from 21 up to probably 121. Um, whoever wants to come in, have a drink, you know, watch something on one of the TV screens, talk to the people next to them, engage in a in some sort of an activity, uh, game or something. And it keeps pretty level, keeps, you know, keeps everything going all year long. But not too far away, maybe a mile or so from there, just on the fringe of Wilton Manors, you purchase another bar called Le Boy. Love Boy. And it's actually about two miles away. And it's it is in Fort Lauderdale. It's it's not in Wilton Manors. Yeah, yeah. It's just outside of Fort La- of um, Wilton Manors. Great little club, not surrounded by any other clubs really. It's kind of on its own little island there, um, but it is very well known. I think for a long time, people have been aware of the boy as a place to go for uh, go-go dancers and. Um, and a lot of fun. And it's got a big old patio out back, uh, which is great when it's not, we're not in rainy season. Um, it'll it'll some, be covered again soon. So even in rainy season, you can go outside. Uh, yeah, I've been out there before when it rained and um, 
I think Chris was uh, Chris Whited was bartending back there, and he goes into a panic, moving the giant umbrellas t- together so you can kind of be in in a dry spot. Um, but we've always had a great time there. And so speaking of, of, uh, go-go boys, this bar is like the polar opposite of, of what lit is designed for. Uh, the boy is, is a showcase for go-go boys, male strippers, whatever you want to call them. Um, and you, your concept is to have kind of a variety of dancers you don't want them all to look like a, a skinny blonde boy so you have a variety of, of people there correct when uh, when i first bought the bar there was one uh type of dancer i guess the uh, previous uh, previous hiring manager wanted to hire people that was basically his type but uh, yeah we're, we're still going to be more of a younger twink type of bar but i'm uh we've been uh, basically adding to the mix to have some amount of uh, muscle in there. You know, we had Malik Delgatti in there uh, several nights when we first uh, opened. He was very popular. So we, we try to keep it to, you know, it's it's mostly a, a group of uh, gay guys where other clubs are mostly, uh, you know, straight muscle guys who, who you interviewed a couple of uh, episodes ago. And, and we, we all kind of have our own... Uh, niche but i think at least both us and uh, this other bar kind of want to have a little bit more uh, diversity so there's you know someone for uh, for for everyone so when did you purchase leboy uh, january 1st of last year so most people were recovering from a hangover from the night before <laughs> and charles was up uh, writing a check and saying okay i will take this place <laughs> you know, it was a it was a very lucky transaction. Uh, I moved here because of a friend of mine that was a um, a uh, stripper that would travel around the country uh, working at different clubs, and he would stay with me when he was in the Dallas area. We'd been friends for like seven years, I think it was, and then I uh, just kind of went through a change of life where suddenly in Dallas. I sold everything. I I had tried to start uh, several businesses and lost millions of dollars and was eating into uh, in, into my assets. And I thought, okay, I'm going to come to uh, Fort Lauderdale and just stop spending money. So kind of a bad place to go. And that I had in, in Dallas, I had twelve thousand five hundred uh, square feet on six and a half uh, acres for a million and a half dollars. And I sold that luckily for, I did very well. I sold it for almost $5 million. And then I moved here and get a 3000 square foot uh, house for $1.5 million. So that was uh, still, still kind of expensive. But again, the thought was to just be retired and enjoy life and stop spending uh, so much money on starting businesses. So then within, um, let's see, I guess that was that was August of last year, September, October, November, December, within a quarter, three to four months, then I'm buying my first gay bar. And then three months later, I buy my second gay bar. But my friend uh, Michael was working at uh, LaBoy and he said the owner wanted to uh, sell, but he never really wanted to be in the bar business. And I'm thinking, well, I, I love the uh, club. Maybe, uh, maybe I look at it and I'd say within a month uh, of uh, starting the conversation, we, we close. Well, the good thing, you know, especially in Florida, uh, the good thing about buying a bar is if you don't pay extravagant amounts of money for fluff, 
you know, for the goodwill of the name or whatever, the liquor license alone has retention of value. I mean, after a while, when places get really popular, those liquor licenses go through the roof and people will pay, you know, a bazillion dollars to have one just so that they can dip their toe in the, in the bar business for a while. So you have a, a cushion there because it does come with a liquor license, which obviously in Florida can get pretty pricey. Yeah, when I first started uh, buying bars uh, about a year ago, a liquor license was going for for uh, three hundred eighty thousand dollars. Now it's four hundred and thirty thousand dollars, and that is uh, the vast majority of what I paid for the two uh, bars. So when you consider the liquor license, the liquor inventory, uh, and uh, a little bit of furniture and fixtures, that covers the entire price. So you're really kind of getting the bar for free in a way. Right, and then you also have you know, residual income because every month you're putting a little cash in your pocket. So yep. it's kind of repaying that that investment. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, you're still retired. You can still travel when you'd like because you've kept good people in place to run the businesses. And, uh, and I noticed from following you on Facebook that you are not chained to your 3,000 square foot house in Fort Lauderdale. Uh, <laughs> you find yourself on a plane frequently or in a car traveling somewhere else to visit somebody. Um, so, you know, you're still getting to in, enjoy your quote retirement while you have, uh, have these clubs going on. Correct. I don't know if you, um, uh, uh, did, did the research and found out or not, but my hobby up until, uh, a year or two ago, fire was walking. running, uh, fire walking seminars. So I was traveling all around the world, teaching firewalk instructor courses or teaching firewalk uh, course or teaching firewalk seminars, again, all over the world, generally for larger companies. And I was uh, executive platinum on American Airlines and I was the jet set guy running around. And then uh, when COVID struck, you know, you stopped all that. And then I thought, well, I'm just not going to travel anymore. And here all of a sudden I'm, I've uh, been on like five trips in the last month. Well, good for you. Maybe you should start a, a gay fire walking business in Fort Lauderdale, uh, be a destination, a destination place. You can buy a little lot that has a place for you to set up your, your fire walking and people can come and experience it while they're there. Will you come Art? I will. It's not that Great. far. I'm in Tampa. So no, I mean, will you, will you fire walk? Sure. Why not? What's the uh, worst that could happen? You burn your feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, you only live once, right? That's my theory. So what is your favorite thing about LeBoy? You know, it's what I really enjoy doing is I enjoy, uh, I enjoy customer interaction. So I've gotten to be friends with the majority of our regular customers. I try to get to be friends and at least be comfortable with the uh, dancers where they feel like they can uh, come and talk to me. Uh, I think I'm. I, I think most people that are in the bar think that I'm a priest because some of the uh, the confessions that I get from some of the customers is uh, is uh, pretty wild. But you know, these have become my friends now. Uh, we go out to dinners. We uh, we're talking about. Tra I haven't traveled with any of them yet, but we have plans to travel around the world with uh, with several several of the uh, customers and. Uh, that's what I really enjoy going in and, and uh, like I hope our customers feel just like everybody knows me, everybody hugs me. I, I can uh, sit and go from customer to customer and find out what's going on with, with them and their lives. And I really don't keep a, um, a official 
job or official title in either bar. I go in and I be uh, social. I, I don't know how to bartend even. So when I first bought the bar, I started out saying, okay, well, I need to learn how to do everything. And I've always been able to do that in my businesses. And then I start doing it and I'm thinking, okay, well, I can do the mixed drinks, but I cannot remember one name. You know, I can't, I can't keep track of 50 tabs at once. So while it's still on my list to learn how to do the, uh, the bartending, I haven't. I know how to do all, I'm, I'm really good at financials and understanding financials. And at least in both of these bars, that's what they were lacking. The, uh, the, the owner of the, of the boy thought he was barely breaking even and he showed me his financials and I could see where 30 to $40,000 a month was being stolen, you know, within seconds. Wow. So uh, I started off very profitably because I stopped any uh, access to steal without me knowing about it. If, if, I mean, that you're in a cash business, people can steal, but at least now I know about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is a great little club. I highly recommend if you're going to the Fort Lauderdale area, definitely check out uh, LaBoy and Lit because they're both great experiences, great people working there. Um, I can't say enough about before our last trip down there, the people that I interacted with, um, with Chris um, at LaBoy and with Michael and several other people that just made it very easy to get ready to come down there and to interact with you and your team and experience both bars. It was, it was very welcoming there. You got some good people working for you down there. I'll tell you what, I'm one lucky guy because I have a great team and all these names that you just said, uh, these people have been with the club for three or four different iterations. You know, somebody buys the club, changes the name. Well, these, most of the team has been there through all of these, uh, all of these changes. And so the customers are really coming there to see them. And they're, you know, I, I work hard to make sure I don't have turnover. Now, do you have any plans for changing anything at, at, at LaBoy or do we have anything new coming up in the near future? Or is it pretty copacetic for now? So we've been doing constant uh, repairs and uh, and remodeling. The the roof was first. It was in bad in a bad disrepair. Uh, every time it rained, we kind of flooded inside the bar. At one point, there was a video going around where it rained, and then the entire uh, roof of the bar collapsed collapsed while it was open uh, into people. And you know, life just kept going on, and, and we kept uh, we kept having drinks and just. Uh, roped off that area, but all of that's fixed. Uh, we've redone one of the uh, bathrooms entirely. All of the patio has a completely different look and feel. It's very, uh, lots of plants, very, lots of comfortable chairs. You can sit out there and talk with either your friends or, uh, or a dancer of your choice. And that's, that's one of the nice things about the boy. It's not high pressure. You don't have, uh, you don't have uh, hustlers basically that are coming up to you uh, kind of demanding your attention. If you want to be left alone at LaVoy, you can be left alone at LaVoy. If you want to, if you want three or four dancers uh, sitting around you and talking, you can do that and have that too. And you've got an interesting mix there. They're not, like you said, they're not all the same. Um, I've seen some of the, some of the dancers that will come out in fishnets and, and high heels to start with. Um, you know, it's a lot of variety, a lot of diversity, and that's what we need the, these days. Not everybody wants the same slice of pie and everybody wants something a little different. Exactly. And, and we try to, uh, you know, accommodate uh, any, anybody. I'd say our, 
you know, one of our one of our longest term uh, dancers and most successful dancers is uh, 32 years old. He's probably at the higher end of the the scale, but God, he's he's hot. He's popular. He's beautiful. And we go all the way down to to 18. We have a, a gay couple in there now that's uh, 18 and 21. And when they get up on stage, it's just magical. They do erotic uh, dance shows together, and boy, it keeps your attention. Very cool. I'll have to come back and check that out. I know one yeah. of my friends down there is a big fan of both of your bars, and I'm sure you know him pretty well, uh, Patrick Gallino. Oh, Stoli. yeah, he's fantastic. Um, yeah, he has great things to say about both your locations. And, um, and I know he's done a number of promotions at both at both clubs, little Stoli promos here and there. Yep, and he's a good good friend of uh, Bruce Galanch, so uh, that is he's, true. He's there every time Bruce comes in and kind of kind of works out as uh, a host for me, keeping uh, keeping him happy. Yeah, and he's entertaining in and of himself. His his outfits and and presence definitely make a statement on their own. Before I ever knew what he did or anything, he just stood out because of the way he looked and uh, he dressed. He's meticulous and uh, dresses unlike anyone else. And so I started off saying hi, hi to him regularly before I even knew that he was a uh, ambassador for Stoli. Yeah, I. Uh, it was kind of funny. It was about, oh, I guess, about a year or so ago. I had known Patrick because of social media and my interactions with the Stoli people and things of that nature, but I'd never actually met him in person. And so uh, I had come down to Fort Lauderdale, I think it was October of last year. And I was doing the little circuit there on, on the drive. And I was walking from, um, I think from Jim back toward um, Hunter's. So I was getting, I was crossing the street there. And as I'm crossing the street, I look over and I see this person there with this kind of funky little mohawkish kind of colored <laughs> hair thing going on. And I turned around and I yelled, Patrick, <laughs> because I, you just could not not know it was him. Right. And uh, we had a great conversation. And ever since then, we've we've um, stayed in touch and. You know, I've been there. I was there with him when he brought Bruce to your club a couple months ago. Oh, cool. Um, so we had a we had a great time together. So I understand, you know, you've done this thing with with Lit, uh, which is one type of a bar, a neighborhood kind of club. And you've done your La Boy thing, which is, you know, go-go boys and kind of a different energy. Right. But I keep hearing from you that you also want to kind of dip your toes in the dance club scene. So you're looking for a, a club that you can turn into a gay dance bar? Is that, or that, that already is a gay dance bar that you can kind of put your stamp on? Right now, my belief is that I want to buy already successful uh, bars where I'm walking in and I know that I'm making money from day one. I've done a lot of startups in my life and, you know, they're risky. You uh, you spend a bunch of money hoping that the people come in and you don't know if they do or they don't. You talked earlier about, you know, the boy having a good reputation wherever I travel when dancers come in and I ask them how they heard about us. They, they say that the boy has the best reputation of a uh, of a strip bar in the in the country. Daddy TV, who does shows on uh, Out TV, they're here filming and they've been in the bar every night this uh, 
this week and the last couple of weeks, really. Uh, he says he's been to, to uh, strip clubs all over the country and Lavoie is his favorite. So I'm buying that brand and I'm, and I'm getting it instantly. So I'm not so excited about going and finding like a warehouse and turning it in to a dance club. I would rather have, uh, I would rather buy an existing one, but I, I have a belief that, you know, everything's easier in quantity. I had my last business, I got up to 88 locations and the more, the, the more size you get, the easier it is, the easier right. it is to delegate. Yeah, you know, you have a whole team that takes care of everything. Everything gets cheaper on a per store basis. So uh, I, I'm my goal was to buy one every three months. That gave me enough time to to uh, integrate. And unfortunately, since I bought Laboy uh, on December first and then Lit on uh, February first, it's been a little while. I've made a lot of offers, and um, you know, none have got accepted yet. So I kind of want the same. Uh, price structure from the first two bars that I bought and some of the other bars, you know, uh, don't want to sell at that price structure. So right now it's going a little slower, but yes, having a dance club is definitely in my, uh, my, my, my eyes. You mentioned cabin enterprises and that's really what I want to do. I want to want to replicate cabin enterprises. I want us to own a, a bunch of, a bunch of bars and just be a conglomerate bar business. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool. In the course of my research, um, for you know gay archives i've stumbled across a few that have had um similar success cavin is probably at the top of the chain i think in their in their lifespan they've owned something like 50 or 55 gay bars in multiple cities and states most of them in texas but they did branch out they had um i think they had a club or two in miami they had a couple in atlanta um, Washington DC, Washington, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Tampa. They've been in a number of different cities, but mostly focused um, on Texas. And they're still in business 50 or 60 years later. I think they started in the 60s. So they're coming up close to 60 years, I think, or 55. When um, I was uh, when I was in my uh, my early uh, 20s, I uh, dated a couple of times Dennis uh, Weir, who was the president at the time, who had been dating. I forgot Kevin's first name, but he had been Kevin's boyfriend and then Brian died. And so I, I've been around. I'll tell you what, that, that S4 club, New Year's Eve, they had armored cars going. <laughs> you, you probably don't know this as a customer, but they were bringing in so much cash. They had armored cars oh, yeah. in, like, every other hour. Yeah. Uh, was it Frank? Kevin, you know I'm not I'm not remembering at all. I just remember Dennis Weir since I kind of I mean we went on a few dates. Yeah, I um, and they they were responsible for some of the big chains that ended up, you know, spreading across the country. Some of the bars that people don't even know they own, like um, the old plantation chain, OP. Yeah. That was um, that was a Kevin project. I didn't even know that. I remember I remember one of those in El Paso. Yeah. Pretty JR's was everywhere. And then there was also and they had a lot of mining companies. Yep. They had Tarrant County Mining Company and San Antonio Mining Company and Montrose Mining Company and Throckmorton Mining Company. So so on the on the dance club scene in in um, do you want that to be in Wilton Manor, preferably? Are you trying to stay in that area if you can? 
You know, I don't really care, I've, and I don't even know what this area is called, but there's a popular area of warehouses and, and uh, bars that's uh, kind of like if you were to do a triangle from Lit to the Boy, it would be at the uh, other side of it, but it's still like probably two miles from, uh, from Wilton Manors. There's some promising clubs there. It's not all gay, and I, you know, I've Personally, I don't like lit. Isn't all gay? There's a lot of straight people that are that are uh, there. Uh, we have a lot of straight women that come into the boy, so I don't need a club to be all gay. But uh, I really like it to be existing, have ongoing, you know, have finan a financial track record that I'm buying. So do you have do you have in mind something the size of say Hunters or something more the size of the Manor? Uh, I honestly would really like to buy most of the bars in Wilton Manors. All and, right uh, you know, all of them. And again, just create a cabin enterprises. The uh, This probably isn't too popular with customers, but, uh, you know, drink. Uh, there's, there's really a drink war that's going on here. It's not as bad as it has been, but, uh, you know, it's not uncommon to see five for one drink specials and all of that just is horrible for bars to make. Uh, yeah, make. that's crazy. So Lit would you never, Lit never participated in that. LaVoy doesn't participate that, but our drinks are still dirt cheap. You know, a vodka drink is going to be uh, five, six, seven, eight bucks for, at most places in the uh, Wilton Manors area. Yet you go to Miami and you're probably paying 18 to 20 bucks for that same drink. Right. But once you buy all the clubs in Wilton Manors, are you going to change the name to Horton Manors? <laughs> no I'll, I'll probably always keep the clubs the same <laughs> i mean keep keep them the names that they are <laughs> yeah you were talking about drink specials and that's a that's crazy i don't even know why people try to do that anymore i remember I, no, when i was first coming whatsoever. out to the clubs in the late 70s early 80s and they would do that a lot a lot of bars would have 25 cent drink night and you know when i was 18 years old, 20 years old, whatever, and you could drink then. That was one thing, you know. But today, with all the DUIs and all the other stuff that goes on, I don't know why anybody in their right mind would want a five-for-one drink special because that means basically you're obligated to drink five probably very crappy drinks made with <laughs> rot gut alcohol from the well right. and end up being sick the next day. Why not buy one or two you know, decent cocktails and enjoy your evening and be able to remember it the next day. Exactly. And uh, not risk somebody's, yours or somebody else's life driving uh, while under the influence. Absolutely. Well, we are so glad that you, um, you moved into the Fort Lauderdale scene and kind of skipped over from the financial market area into uh, the bar scene. I'm looking forward to seeing what you have up your sleeve next. Um, what you stumble across that you can put your stamp on and and bring in under your umbrella because I know Fort Lauderdale, as I said earlier, within a couple mile radius of um, of the center of Wilton Manors, right where Georgie's Alibi is, within two mile radius of that point, there's something like 25 bars and alcoholic beverage establishments that cater to or accept the gay community, and that's pretty remarkable. So. Um, I was in it. This might be interesting for you. I was in a uh, Wilton Manor's nighttime economic development meeting yesterday, and uh, Gary Van Horn, who used to own bars in Pittsburgh, was saying that Wilton Manor's 
is currently operating in like a 25 year old uh, old bubble. So a, a lot of the bars, gay bars are going out uh, because of apps and other things out all throughout the country. But Wilton Manors still has a really strong uh, club scene and people are still coming out to the clubs and hanging out into the clubs. So at least according to Gary, we're in a very unique situation here in Wilton Manors and hopefully we can keep it that way. Well, and I can tell you from my own experience, you know, I've interviewed over 100 people um, so far for this Gay Archives project. And n a number of them owned gay clubs in other cities or operated, you know, large gay clubs in other cities or were somehow an integral part of the gay uh, fabric of, you know, big metropolitan areas. And many of them have moved to Fort Lauderdale, specifically to the Wilton Manors area, because they love the vibe, they love the energy, they love the community there. Uh, one guy who was famous for being the uh, club kid photographer from Limelight, you know, did all those really good studio quality prints of um, the Limelight club kids and the club scene in New York back you know, in the, in the 90s, uh, Michael Fazakerly, he moved down there. Um, uh, Rick Carlin, who was a 30 plus year journalist in the gay um, media in Chicago and, you know, frequented all the clubs up there. He's moved down to Fort Lauderdale. Um, geez, there's so many of them that I've, that I've talked to and interviewed in the course of this project. Alan Kachin, who owned um, one of the iconic dance clubs in, um, in Philadelphia called Equus, and then later moved to Fort Lauderdale. He opened Ombre in Miami, and uh, the Fort Lauderdale Eagle in Fort Lauderdale, he still lives down there. Uh, so there's a lot of people from different parts of the country that have found Wilton Manors to be a magnet for, you know, uh, gay community and so you're in a good spot there too if you decide to continue with you know with gay bars that's sure my goal and again it doesn't have to be gay bars that's not as long as gay. you're friendly as long yeah. you know that's the general trend these days as long as you're comfortable there not everything has to be labeled gay you don't only shop at gay grocery stores i mean you don't <laughs> right you don't only eat at gay restaurants uh so it's, it's getting to be a little bit more um, more popular, but we still need the gay bars so that our community can kind of get together and know that they have places to meet up. And I'm really glad that you're doing that. So thank you so much for that and for taking the time to tell us some of your stories um, about the bars that you've been involved with. I'm, I'm loving the business and this has been a lot of fun with you. Well, thank you. That concludes another episode of the Gay Bar Archive Show. For more information about this episode, or to find more episodes, visit GayBarchives.com.